0: Hi there, my name is Tim. And my name is Luke. And you are listening to the Recruitment Now podcast. We are passionate about recruiting. Each episode, we share ideas
1: and insights into the world of recruiting from world class recruiters and researchers. This podcast is for recruiters, HR professionals, and anyone looking to improve their recruitment abilities. All right, so we're speaking here today with uh, Kristen Dick. Kristen is a founder of Avro Creative. And I actually know Kristen from ATB's Accelerator here in Calgary a few years back. We were all uh, humble, humble businesses uh, finding our way. And something that Avro told us, her story was something that really stuck in my mind. And I, th- I see that you still use that a lot today in your story. And that was that in your day job, you were told that you do really great work, but that nobody really knows who you are. And I, I just feel like so many people could, could relate to that. Um, and we'll definitely get, be digging a little bit into that uh, in a few minutes here. So Kristen, after being told that she'd been doing great work, but nobody knows who you are. After that, she developed her personal brand and actually went on to reach her own goals and receive national recognition for her work. Today, she's working with companies like Coca-Cola, Glasso, vitamin water and the United way combining 10 and more years of marketing and communication background. And she's, really channeling all of this to help women to achieve their goals with her unique personal branding process. So this is something that would be really applicable to recruiters as we've learned uh, in our other podcasts. There's a huge amount of interest in how recruiters can really differentiate themselves when they speak to their clients, to their candidates, um, by leveraging their personal brands. I think there's gonna be a lot of meaty tips and tricks here for our recruitment audience. So welcome, Kristen.
2: Thank you, thanks for having me. And one thing about uh, what you said, working with Coca-Cola, Glasso, Vitamin, Water, and United Way, that was when I was in the advertising world and and, uh, uh, working in marketing communication and I've, I had a great experience working with those groups, but I've moved on and and I'm focusing fully on Avro now.
1: Oh, okay, awesome, good to know. So let's chat about your background then, because it sounds like Mm. there's a whole mix, Um, and it sounds like at some point you also really did a big shift in in what your career was. How did that all happen, maybe you can just fill it fill it in for us.
2: Absolutely. Yeah. So it it's been a process. It um, it started really when I was uh, communications advisor for United Way, one of Canada's largest or actually one of North America's largest nonprofits. And I was working really, really hard. I thought I was producing great work and I was really misinformed or had mis, misguided into thinking that if I did great work, that work would speak for itself and that opportunities were going to come my way. And as you know, and as all the other recruiters know, that is not how it worked. Mm-hmm. And I learned that the hard way after I applied for a job. Uh, I didn't get it with, and it was within the organization. I was turned down for it pretty quickly. And uh, not too long after that, we had a new VP of Marketing Communications join the company. And she said to me, look, I know why you didn't get that job. It's because you do great work, but no one knows who you are. And it was sort of like one of those punch to the gut moments, but Mm -hmm. it was a turning point for me. And I won't forget it because it made me change course. And I realized I worked too hard. I don't want to be overlooked anymore. And so I developed my personal brand without realizing that's what I was doing. So I got really clear with myself and started sharing with others the goals that I had the skills and abilities that I had and the ones that I wanted to develop. And I started becoming more visible and building relationships and trust with people within the organization and then within that the industry that I was in. And things happened for me. That's when things started happening. Okay. Um, within it, the
1: organization. So you stayed it yeah. out. Yeah. Okay. So I
2: stayed it out. And uh, so I got my first leadership job. It became a stepping stone to the manager of communications. And then I was asked by the president of the organization to be her communications advisor and work with her every day. So in a short amount of time, I went from being told literally no one knows who you are to the president handpicking me and saying, I want you to work with me every day.
0: Can you tell us a little bit about what you did? Like the first reaction I had is it seems a little cocky to try to share what you're doing. (laughs) and. I mean, that's the first gut reaction that I think a lot of people have, mm. like, my work should just speak for yourself, but can mm-hmm. you share some of, like, what you did specifically to yeah. promote yourself internally?
2: Yeah, absolutely. So I looked at it as building relationships with people, and then it was pointed out to be to me by this boss that, you know, even if I became hadn't got the job that I wanted, that job came with a big budget, it came with leading a team and making some pretty big decisions that had major impact on the organization. Yeah. And I would have been fighting tooth and nail to get my projects approved and my ideas um, moved ahead with. Whereas I was really fortunate because I took the time to build trust with people so that when it came time that I got the job that I wanted, I was able to put my ideas forward and people believed in me because I had this, I had you know credit with them. I had um, built up trust, they, they had seen me Push other projects ahead and do things differently and do them well. So it really came down to building relationships first and foremost. I did things like um, asking for time on other teams' meetings and trying to understand what some of their challenges were.
0: So, literally, hey, can I come to your meeting? Mm-hmm. I don't understand what you guys do. Yep. Can I just sit in the. Yep. Did anybody say no to that?
2: Yep. Okay. <laughs> but I kept asking, yep. you know, and if it's not this one, I understand you're busy. I, w- I want to come to the next one. and also communicating how I can provide value to you. So saying, you know, I know that this is coming up for you. It's that we're coming into this season. This uh, last year, I heard that you were challenged with these types of questions. I'd like to get a better understanding of those so I can create messages for you. So I was in communication. So helping people, you know, communicate more effectively, write key messages was something that I could do for them. So, so things like that. So I would come, gather those information. You know, say I'm going to take five minutes. Take five minutes to ask some questions, and then say, would it be all right if I come back to your next meeting and presented these key messages to you, and you can let me know, do these work, do these not work, and then of course they say yes. So that's that's what I would do.
1: Now I'm really inquisitive to know who was guiding you or what was guiding you. If this was not your natural pose, right? Mm-hmm. You were you were going out of your comfort zone to try new things, and it sounds like it really worked. Mm-hmm. But what gave you those ideas to even go there? What who gave you the idea to step into somebody else's meeting?
2: Uh, I had a boss who really encouraged this, and it was also just following my own intuition and having the like trusting myself to do that and being supported to do that. And even when I got no's, to continue to, mm-hmm. and realizing that I need to get uncomfortable. I need to get comfortable being uncomfortable. So I would also say, you know, I'm going to put out this. Uh, so I was responsible for doing the annual report every year. So I would go around and I really, I, I recognized that one thing I enjoyed and was good at was collaboration. And that's sort of like a, a buzzword now, right? But really what it means is understanding, you know, the same thing from different viewpoints so and wanting to being actually interested in understanding those viewpoints and seeing how a whole bunch of different hands and people can can work together on a project so rather than wanting to hold it all together by myself i opened up opened it up and said you know i want to partner with somebody in a different department on this we can run with this together um, and that's an
1: opportunity for them to get to know you your yes. strengths and yeah. okay awesome
0: one so of the I guess questions i have is how do you find time to do that because you're still doing your work and mm-hmm. you know maybe it becomes a chicken and egg argument here but uh finding the time to go talk to these people to go sit in those team meetings to go consult and etc. cetera in you know, our heads i think most people know i should do that but then they run out of time at the end of the day so mm-hmm. how, how do you manage your time in that
2: that's a really good question because for me that was one of the biggest reasons that i didn't do it for so long i always yeah. thought i'm too busy i would work through the lunch hour i would stay late yeah. Um, I wouldn't build relationships, even with other people on my team. I was sort of this, I guess I glorified the idea of being busy and, uh, and so I, I learned that I had to make time and I, and I really had that experience where the way that I had been operating before wasn't working for me and I did see other people who didn't seem to be staying as late as I was, they would be going out for lunch, um, they weren't being held back in their career either. So I thought, okay, I'm not gonna be, I'm not gonna make this the focus of my day, but I'm going to make time for this and start carving out some time in my calendar. And I also read the, a book called The Speed of Trust, which I don't know if you've heard of, but it's- I've heard of
1: the title, I have not read that, but who's it by?
2: It's by, I'm gonna look it up right now.
1: Yeah, that sounds like a good one. As soon as you've got trust, you have credibility, people will not doubt you, won't need to take the time to make the decision. They already know that you're probably good enough, and we're lazy, right? We're all lazy to make a decision, so we'd mm-hmm. rather work with somebody we trust exactly and quickly and get it get it done with. The riddle for me though
0: is always, how do you build that? Like the tangible, what do I physically do tomorrow to build more trust with my coworkers? Because on sometimes we can, you know if we stay at the thirty thousand foot level, of course, yeah, we well, need to build trust. Most people would say yeah, but the hard part I think is, what do I physically do? Mm-hmm. And that's the tangible thing that I've wrestled with in my career and previous jobs, etc. So what if you have any more insight on that, like go to meetings, you know, consult with people, talk to them, etc. But beyond mm-hmm. that, what else can they do?
2: You know, bringing people in. Sometimes it's just a matter of walking around and getting to know other people and saying, hey, I'm working on this. Could you help me with it? Picking up the phone, um, walking and going to someone's office, asking yeah. them some questions and doing presentations, too. So I think everybody kind of likes when someone will come in and present to your team because it's it's educational and it's a little bit, I don't want to say entertainment because that implies the wrong thing, but you kind of get to just sit back and relax and let somebody else do their thing, right? So it's a little bit of a break. So it fills up meeting time on an agenda. So I would say I'd like to present um, at this staff meeting. I'd like to present at your monthly big, like broader group team meeting.
1: So, Speed of Trust, who's the um, who So the Speed
2: of Trust is Stephen M. R. Covey, who's the son of Stephen R. Covey. Okay, good.
0: Yeah. There you go. That yeah. makes I knew sense. that in the back of my mind, Kate. Okay. Yeah,
2: yeah. So, it really talks about how, you know, you think it's going to take a lot longer, like you said, and that's, that's certainly what yeah. I thought as well. But when you do have trust, things go so much faster. So, if you think of any project, so you, you all remember. Um, any kind of group project that you've worked on in university or at uh, in the workplace when there is a breakdown in trust it slows things down so much even if someone's just not um, communicative enough that impacts trust if someone doesn't come prepared with the work that they were supposed to do that will impact your trust whereas you know trust you know it's it's the the, the secret sauce and that's mm-hmm. actually how I define personal branding is that it's It's so many things, but at its core, it's all about trust.
1: Now, I think we're going to get into a little bit deeper here into the ways that recruiters and um, recruiters at agencies, as well as on the inside of companies, can, you know, some actionable takeaways that they can use to really understand what branding is and how they can apply it. But before we even get there, I almost feel like we need to tell people what you do at Avro Creative. Mm -hmm. So maybe you can tell us what you do there at the moment.
2: Yeah, absolutely. So I've founded this company, Avro. Uh, just about three years ago now and I have the opportunity to work with ambitious women to help them reach their goals using a personal branding process that I created from scratch so I took my experience where I was you know that person who no one knew who I was um, all the way up to being uh, picked from, by the president. And then once I was working with her, I really got to see you know, how a executive uses their brand to lead teams through challenging times, to uh, bring in big partners across the city and the country. Um, and I took that experience and I created a six-step process. To get people to to where they need to be going. So I, I
1: love stepped processes because I <laughs> so feel like I can I.
2: follow. Says them. the engineer in the room. Yes. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm a very process driven person myself. And what really I don't want to say drove me nuts because it, it ended up being an incredible opportunity for me. But again, is a huge gap in the market. But all the reading and research that I did on personal branding or career brand or leadership branding or reputation management or whatever you want to call it. It's all about, you know, why you need to have it. And it jumps right into social media when you get into any of the tactical how-tos. But that social media piece is, in my viewpoint, a layering on of the more important pieces, which is the in-person interactions. You know, even though I have clients that I've actually never met in person, I work with them on a video call, they find me on social media. Most of the big opportunities happen in person, and for as your recruiters will know this. They probably want to meet somebody. The their client wants to meet them in person to interview them. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're going credibility gonna, credibility yeah, if you're going to partner with someone in your business, you're going to want to meet that person in person first, right? And maybe it'll be over you know video conferencing, but that still has a level of in-person feel. So we don't want to discount that. You want to make sure that you're consistent in person. On paper if you're still printing off a resume and online.
0: So to clarify so you essentially people like you mentioned women I want to ask about that in a second too mm-hmm. but uh, people pay you and you coach them is what you're doing kind of a quasi executive coaching as well a little bit?
2: Yeah there's an element of coaching I also consider it I'm, I'm, I'm uh, increasing their knowledge and, and skill building so for a lot of people this comes second nature to them the idea that um networking is really important and they can look at, you know, building a strategic network, understanding that they don't need to tell people everything about themselves even though it's called a personal brand, but there are certain things about them that someone needs to know about them to build trust with them in a professional relationship. So for those that it doesn't come naturally to, I help walk them through what that looks like and empower them to to do it for themselves. And so where the element of coaching comes in is it's um, encouraging people to step outside of their comfort zone, put themselves out there.
0: Introduce yourself to this
1: person, go yeah. ask that team if you can join their meeting, etc.
2: Absolutely. Yeah. So yeah. You're, you're
1: helping the, the individual as well as the corporation, if I understand correctly. So there's the individual who is maybe like you working really hard but just not able to stand out, mm-hmm. then there might be the leaders who also need to know how to lead by using their personal brand. Mm-hmm. And then do you facilitate this at, at corporations or large companies to help their management or to help uh, when they invest in their employees on the front lines?
2: Yeah, yeah, I do work with executive leadership teams as a whole, and then I also get brought into other corporations um, to do workshops for, for their employees and that's really exciting and a lot of the the workplaces now are starting to understand the idea of having an employee brand which is another way of saying a personal brand and how that is a big win for their company because most of us you know so many generations now we've grown up with all these corporate scandals right whether yeah. it's enron or the you know oh financial crisis you know the list goes on and on but we're less likely to trust a company, but we're much more likely to trust a person. So if you think about, if you were to hear someone talk really highly about the bank that they work for, or the company say it was in the energy industry that they work for, you're much more likely to believe that individual than if you were to see an advertisement from that company. And that's why reputation or word of mouth recommendations go such a long way. So they're understanding that and they're wanting to help applying that to to you know access that as with their staff.
1: And I imagine that's pretty big for companies where they're consumer focused. Yeah. Like a bank, right? Yeah. Because every client experience could also affect you know, the people who apply to their open vacancies to mm-hmm. recruiters. Yeah. Um, absolutely. Yeah, totally I can yeah. see how that applies.
2: Yeah, it's it's even big, you know, if you want to attract top talent. Your if you have your employees out there talking about the cool work that they're doing. Um, and building trust and having eyes on their LinkedIn profile or um, getting to meet them and see them speaking on stage at a conference, then people are kinda think, that sounds fantastic. I wanna be working at this company.
0: I'd love to work with her or love to work with him there. Yeah, yeah. So Loopback, your 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 business targets women as your customers. So mm-hmm. why just women? Mm-hmm. I'm curious you know, in terms of, you know, why women? And then what's unique about women in the personal branding space in terms of what they deal with? It's mm-hmm. so a two part question there.
2: Yeah. So why women? I heard someone say to me, oh, that's so great that you want to help women. And I had to correct them to say, I don't want to help women. I want women to help us. And right now we know that there's a gender imbalance. There's gender inequity. Um, there's inequity in, in, in general, not just gender. But we have, we're, we're faced with all of these new and unique challenges in the world right now, and we need everyone's minds accessed and working on these problems and we don't have that right now but we all win when we have diversity when we have leadership teams who don't look the same who don't have different lived experiences and uh and i'm really excited when i you know as men and women we have different needs i'm a mom now i've gone through uh pre-pregnancy pregnancy pregnancy and the postpartum experience and there's needs that are unique to me and I got to purchase products that were founded by women, and and I imagine these women walking into a VC room and trying to present their ideas to them. Like yeah. you imagine Sarah Blakely, who was the founder of Spanx. Do you guys know what Spanx are?
1: No. What is Spanx?
2: So it's like hosiery um, that kind of like helps uh, like cinch you or make you make things look uh, makes makes you slimmer. Oh, she's I, like, I see. Okay. Is she on, on Shark her. Tank? There's, I think she's I on Shark Tank. Or Dragons? No? Yeah, one of the two. Yeah. I, think
0: I saw I saw her on there.
2: Yeah, so you can imagine her walking into a room of VCs that were all Who are men. Who were pretty old men, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> going like, what? <laughs> I don't think so. Um, and same with so many other you know, maternity products and things like that, that we, we just need more women and their great yeah. ideas and out there. And so that's why I work with women, because I want to see that. I want to see more diversity in general and leadership teams. I think we know also that, well, A, it's the right thing to do. But B, companies that have greater diversity also report better pro- uh, profits.
1: So let's imagine I'm a recruiter. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm either working at a staffing firm or I'm actually working in house for a corporation or a company. Either way, I'm wanting to foster a brand for the company and to be able to um, use my personal brand to have really genuine conversations with candidates. Mm-hmm. What are the maybe top three tips that you would share with somebody in that position in terms of uh, leveraging their brand? What first steps would you recommend they take to, to improve their game by using their personal brand?
2: Mm-hmm. So the first thing I would suggest that they do is really understand how they can what their value is and message that in a way that resonates with, with people and practice it, like have it almost like a a boilerplate, like it's ready to go, it's baked, you're comfortable using it. And when I say what your value is, um, when I'm doing workshops and I'm working with people, I hear so many kind of jargony words like, I can't even think of it. Saves all of that, time right? and money, right? Oh, you Build you great teams, you know. <laughs> yeah. Broad words that
0: really don't mean a whole heck yeah. of a lot.
2: Yeah, like try to take all an, that business jargon out, make it as simple as possible, and also, you know, level up too. So if you're uh, a recruiter, every other recruiter might say something along the lines of, you know, I help you find the, the best candidate out there. Mm-hmm. Well, that doesn't really do anything to stand out. But maybe if you took it up a level and said, and one of your skills was to help, you know, forecast um, trends within a company and what their needs might be. You know, I, I help um, companies, rec- or I recruit for you know, long term company success, you know, Mm -hmm. something like that, that, that differentiates, yeah, it differentiates, it adds uh, another layer of skill that you have. And it's going to intrigue people so that they're going to want to say, that's interesting, how do you do that? Mm -hmm. So then it's not just a handshake and, you know, boring moving on or, you know, let's talk about the food and like make small talk at this networking event. And then so I can move on from talking to you. It's I'm actually interested. Let's have a conversation about you and your work. And that's the win.
0: So I think you're saying being more specific is that first step, as opposed mm-hmm. to just. I mean, in my case, I'm a great professor. Well, catch that all that doesn't all. narrow it down, yeah. but what am I specifically good at? Yes. Interesting.
2: Yeah, cool. and 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 thinking about it thematically too, meaning so expand on that. So rather than saying you know, um, I don't know if you're if you're the, the kind of professor who's your are focused mostly on teaching, you're focused mostly on research, but say you're focused mostly on teaching. Yeah. Well rather than saying you know i teach you know bright minds of the future you could say i i help students connect current trends with with history so that they know how to navigate the business world Mm-hmm. And, and like I would simplify that a little right. bit too, because that's. But well, that's way more busy. interesting than just yeah. saying
1: I'm a great professor who teaches business students. I'd yeah. be, I'd be really yeah. interested to ask somebody a follow up question mm-hmm. if they said that to me, because my eyes would be bigger than they were before. Yeah, right. yeah,
2: that sounds interesting. I'd be like, oh, well, you know, what kind of, what are your students like? What, what exactly do you talk about in your course? That kind of a thing.
0: We just did an open house at Ambrose. Just recently here. So, Mm -hmm. you should have talked to me before that. I should have been more specific. (laughs) There we go. But uh, so, I guess, do you have some other tips then? So, you know, being more specific and kind of putting words in your mouth there, but what else? Yeah. So, I think
2: so that was so that's the first thing is, you know, having that what I call a personal brand statement. Others call an elevator pitch, that kind of a thing. Um, The second thing would be so, if they are working on behalf of their company or another company, understanding what the connection point is. So that they can speak to um, where, so the overlap essentially between themselves and the company. So if people want to know more about the company, they have an interesting entry point to it. That's not just, you know, oh, why do you work for, you know, recruitment company A, but did you start this company? And I know, Luke, you have, so you have a really interesting story about that. But say it's another recruiter and they work for, you know, big recruitment corporation, well, well, why do you work there? And kind of walking people through that and, and not telling that the whole story, but what's the meaningful connection that you have and understanding that and being able to have conversations about so, it. So
1: that's almost trying to create that something that you have in common with mm-hmm. your audience, right? Yes. Or at least something that they can relate to in some way.
2: Yeah, okay. yeah that's exactly right. One of the big things with you know, branding in general, but certainly personal branding, is knowing who your audience is. So when we talk about um, your brand statement and explaining how you help people, well, you should first start with what's important to those people and making sure like that's how you're gonna know that your statement is gonna land and resonate with the people that you want it to.
0: So you're saying, you mentioned like the elevator pitch. So if you meet somebody you don't know very well,
2: mm-hmm.
0: do you just stick with your standard pitch? Or it's hard to adapt if, you know, I mean, literally we just met before this and I'm learning mm-hmm. bits, bits and pieces about you, mm-hmm. but how would I adapt that for myself if I just met you and don't know a lot about you.
2: Yeah. So as a recruiter, I would introduce myself as hi, I'm Kristen. I'm I'm a recruiter at Company X, Y, and Z, and I insert brand statement there. Okay. Whereas if you're at an industry networking event, then it's maybe implied that you are a recruiter by, you know, even if you're okay. meeting with clients, gotcha. then you can just jump right into your brand statement. Okay. Mm-hmm.
1: So and that's then, probably the, the the third point then is being in front of people.
2: Absolutely. Yeah, it's getting outside of, and that was the big thing for me, um, getting in front of people, being visible. People can't trust what they can't see. Mm -hmm. So how do you
0: do that tangibly? Mm -hmm. You gave a few examples earlier in our talk here about, you know, just inserting yourself into meetings that you're not invited to, (laughs) but inviting yourself there. But what else can you do? You know, and we're focused on recruitment, but maybe more generally too. What mm-hmm. else can you do to get in front of people?
2: Yeah, well, again, there's that in-person, and there's that online world, but really looking at and breaking down, and I recommend, and I, I do this with all my clients and people in my workshops, but what, in, so in communications, we call them channels of communication or touch points. So what are all the touch points that you have? And you'd be surprised how many you actually have with people, whether it's you know the quarterly staff meeting, the monthly team meeting, the monthly department meeting, Oh, um, maybe it's a, a kind of fun rally, even you know the holiday parties that happen. Those are really great opportunities if you're wanting to make a, uh, an impression on your leadership team that everyone's kind of laying their hair down, it's a little bit more relaxed. It's a great time to go up and talk to somebody over at the salad bar while they're waiting to get a <laughs> drink or something right, th- like that and, and having a conversation with them that doesn't have to be um, super, super formal. So all of those, inviting yourself to the team meetings, just sending emails to people saying, you know, can we go for coffee? I'd love to learn a little bit more about your work. I see some opportunities where we could potentially overlap. People like talking about themselves. They're generally interested in their work and feel um, more motivated when other people seem interested.
0: Is it dangerous to send an email like that in a large organization, you know, if you're going, upwards, you know, your boss is a VP and you're going to another VP. Mm-hmm. Do you think that could be kind of not political suicide, but that could be dangerous in your career as well?
2: <laughs> it could be, but it, it always depends on the, the culture that you're in, right? Yeah. But at, at the end of the day, no one's responsible for you and your career other than you. And you can't expect your boss to be having great conversations about you or or conversations about the great work you do. That's up to you. Your boss could go on a parental leave. They could quit um, any day. So that is one thing. And and actually, I think you asked about one of the differences between uh, that that's a little bit more unique to women in the workplace and that managing up is a big thing for women. And so managing up is when you you have a relationship and you're communicative to up on the hierarchy or the up on the organizational chart so up could be towards your boss yep. it could be towards to your boss's boss or to your boss and then whoever's on her level his so, or her level
0: interesting so and again you're free to say you know what other differences have you noticed in terms of when you're you know working with men working with women on that personal branding, I'm curious mm-hmm. to hear more about that. You know, and again, your your business is tailored towards women, but you also do corporate training with all genders in the room. So, yeah. what what n- differences have you noticed there well, beyond sounds, what you just said? This is the interesting part. Yeah, <laughs> we're, we're taking notes here. We're, yeah. we're interested here.
2: Yeah, great. Well, uh, another big one is uh, with regards to feedback. So, I, I there's a lot of great research and reports out there by um, great organizations um, uh, like PwC, McKinsey. Um, so. encourage you guys to read these as well and so one of the big things that i've seen and read over and over again is about uh, women not getting the same level of feedback or not getting direct feedback so a lot of the feedback that they will see in a formal or informal review from their um, manager has to do with their communication style rather than their skills whereas uh, what we what's been seen with men is they'll get They'll get feedback on their skills and what they need to be doing that's directly in line with the business plan.
0: Whereas the women just get general feedback, the men yeah. get the specific tailored Yeah, conditions?
2: so you can see how that would impact your career. If You can see that line of sight between what you do on a daily basis and how it impacts the business and the business plan versus the only feedback you're getting is uh, general on your work but specific on your communication style. And how you're, how you're gonna,
1: delivering it. Yeah, yeah.
2: It's, you're gonna show up more uncomfortable and you're not gonna have that same line of sight to the business plan. Right. And so that is so I've read that over and over again, and I've I've seen that in my workshops as well, because what I uh, work with the whole group on is self-advocating for themselves. And so part of that includes a conversation around the feedback that you get, whether it's that annual formal review, but also asking for feedback in informal ways. And they it's common for someone to raise their hand and say, I'm not getting good feedback this is what I've received and it's very general or it's in regards to their communication style and then you see heads nodding around the room, Wow! like me too, me too, me too. So mm. my recommendation to them is to say, this is really important to me. I would really like specific feedback on this. It's important for me to understand how the work that I do Um, is serving the business plan and helping the company move forward and if there's ways that i can do better on that and if you would need to take time to think about that i'm going to book time in your calendar one week from today and i'll be back and um, i'd like your your thoughts on that so pushing for that explaining this is important and not um not you know leaving the the conversation Because I've done that before as well Um, when I was told, when I had applied for that job and was told no, I got very general feedback as to why not. And I just accepted and walked away, walked out of the office. That could be so
0: powerful for your career, too, if somebody said, here's your weak point, here's your Mm -hmm. blind spot, here's what you've been doing that annoys the heck out of everybody, but nobody's had the guts to tell you. Imagine if you could fix that versus... Living your career and never knowing why.
2: Yeah. And it happens. might not be, you know, an annoying, um, yeah, know, maybe it's not extreme, you know, maybe it's a subtle or, thing. or anything yeah. like that. But even if, you know, you're focusing a lot on this area of your work, but really, if you focused over in this part and collaborated more directly with the sales team, you know, we're really trying to drive sales. That's a key business metric that we have for this quarter. And you're not um, delivering in the way that we need to. So for the next quarter, I really need to see that happen. And that's going to help put your name out there and help get you recognized for contributing to moving the business forward rather than, you know, general feedback.
0: Fair enough. Our conversation so far now interesting enough. I expected we'd go there first, but you've surprised me on this. But we've barely talked about social media
1: mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. far,
0: and so that your your branding strategy, being a personal branding strategist, is not just about creating pretty tw- Twitter accounts or Facebook accounts nope. or LinkedIn, whatever it is. <laughs> it's much, it's more in person stuff. Yeah. But yeah. let's talk a little bit about social media. I don't sure. want to let you completely off the hook. What can people <laughs> do to build their brand on social media? And what do you what do you work with your clients on
2: mm-hmm. in that? So what I do, whether it's in uh, my one-on-one process or in a group workshop, social media is always the last thing we do. So okay. I really want people to understand that develop your personal brand for those in-person interactions first so that, you know, you, sh- you, and this happened to a friend of mine. She walked in the elevator and the new VP of her department of Hundreds and hundreds of people happened to walk in at the same time, and she didn't know what to say yeah, You to can't her. tweet
0: at them in that moment. You can't tweet, so, yeah. send them a
2: tweet. You can't send them an email. You can't, you know, do a YouTube video. There was this great opportunity to, um, you know, say, hey, I'm, I'm, we're so happy you're here. I, I'm working on something really interesting. I think it would help you understand my department. Could I email it to you later? That would be such a great way to get to, for her to have noticed her. But she froze. She didn't know what to say. She didn't know how to introduce herself. She didn't have that boilerplate statement. Um, so it's sort of a missed opportunity. So that's why I I, um, I really encourage the in-person stuff. And then the social media, it is really important. And that's because, you know, in person, you can only impact or build trust with the people who are immediately in front of you or in the room. But on social media, it's you know exponential. You can talk to so many more people. And that's that's. You know, create so many great opportunities. I've had great opportunities um, through social media myself. So, firstly, being on there and understanding that you need to have consistency between who you are online and who you are in person. Because if you show up one way online and then people meet you in person, which should be the goal, you want to, you know, meet the client, get the interview, um, get the coffee date kind of thing. And if and if you're that's there's a misalignment there, it doesn't help build trust. And in some cases, it can actually be the the starting of a breaking point or a breakdown in trust, where that doesn't need to be the case at all. If people, um, you know, if you're just expecting X and you get Y, well, I like X and Y, but just the fact that I, you know, wasn't anticipating Y kind of threw me for a loop.
1: I've seen some of your posts on LinkedIn, and I can say your brand is on point wherever you are. It's always the same story being told. Like it, It's what you, you, you expect, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and you also come across very authentically. I think that's a, that's a big one for me is you need to be yourself right? yes. some, well, to some point. I mean, yeah. You know, obviously I'm a professor, I teach students, and we
0: have this conversation a lot. I'm like, you know, sure, you can do whatever you want. I can't control your social media, it's not my business. But mm-hmm few short years or months in some cases you're going to be wanting to work as professionals they're all business <laughs> students yeah what do you want your brand to say about you and some of them mm-hmm. get it and some of them don't mm-hmm. and you know they take that for granted but uh it absolutely is important to, you yeah know, you know i say you know i want people to look at your profile look at your post and think you're a sharp young professional mm-hmm. who i'd want to hire one day not whatever else that is yeah that you post there but again they some of them choose to follow that some of them Ignore that.
1: Yeah, That's
2: yeah. That's their right, I guess. <laughs> it's totally their right. And I think, you know, we've seen so many times it come back to bite people yeah. when uh, when they haven't really had the, the foresight to think that. I think people nowadays who are most, uh, the, you know, the age of your students or most of your yeah. students anyways, they've kind of come up in this world totally. as their digital nomads, right? and uh, So you would think they would understand that once something's online, it's online forever and and a potential employer is gonna look, it's just a matter of how far deep they're gonna look, right? So, if they only look at the first page of Google, maybe you're going to be fine. <laughs> well, and we're seeing but.
0: examples even this year of politicians. Yeah. You know, their tweets from ten years ago come mm-hmm. back to haunt them. And in some cases, sinks their career too. Yeah. Dumb stuff they said when they were eighteen mm-hmm. actually matters when you're thirty and running for office or yeah. going for an executive role, whatever that might be. So we've seen yeah. that in 2019. Yeah. Specifically.
2: Yeah. Yeah, and I'm lucky. You know, most of the people that I work with, they they understand sort of like that bare minimum too you know, I have to think before I tweet, post, yep. anything. It's really just about leveling that up. So um, so I work with them to be consistent across all their profiles, figure out what is the best investment of their time, um, in most cases, but not all, depending on, um, the, you know, if they're B2B, B2C, if they're B2C and depending on their industry, in some cases it's Instagram or Facebook. Um, a lot of tech people, Twitter is a really great place to be, but LinkedIn is, is great. Um, There's other companies coming for LinkedIn, there's Bumblebiz, there's Shaper, um, there's others um, out there in that kind of professional networking landscape, but LinkedIn still has the most users and the most active users. So it'll be interesting to see what happens in a few years as, because I think Bumblebiz is getting a lot of investment.
1: I hadn't even heard of that, to be honest. I, I feel like I need right to check this, that. So. <laughs> Apparently, I'm old here. So, <laughs> so um, Kristen, maybe you can tell us a little bit about what, what you're up to in the next couple of months, uh, not necessarily date-specific, but just... I know you do some corporate facilitation, but also mm-hmm. uh, for individuals. Um, and where people could find those opportunities to reach out to you if they wanted to.
2: Yeah, so I work with uh, people in a variety of different ways. I work with them one on one, and then I get invited in to do corporate workshops around Calgary. So I'm. Available to do both, and I've got my workshops all planned out, and then I I learn about the organization and adapt it to their very specific needs in some cases. Um, Information about that's on my website, which is avrocreative.com, and Avro is A-V-R-O. You can find me on LinkedIn. You can just search Kristen Dick on there, D-Y-C-K is how you spell my last name. Glad you clarified that. Yep, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then you can find me on Instagram and Facebook, which is at Avro Creative Branding, and I share um, lots of you know, tips and things just to kind of get people's ideas sparked around personal branding, and then of course the tangible uh, pieces that they can implement as well.
1: That's awesome. Thank you so much for yeah. spending the time with us today. Yeah, I thank think you. I learned great. a lot too. Yeah. So oh, thank you, good. Kristen. Well, thanks so. so
2: much. I was excited <laughs> to come and get to talk about my favorite topic. So thank you both. All
1: right. All right.
0: Well, thank you, Kristen. You've been listening to the uh, Recruitment Now podcast.